0: 111. Praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He has given food to those who fear him, and he will ever be mindful of his covenant. He has declared to his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are verity and justice. All his precepts are sure. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding of all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, This evening as we gather as your church, we do confess that you are worthy of worship. Even as we have just done in song, as we have lifted your name, so now we join the psalmist in continuing to lift your name and to praise you for your great works. Truly, your praise will endure forever. For you are our eternal God. You alone are worthy. Be magnified in this hour. Work in our hearts. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Psalm 111 is a psalm of praise. In fact, you may have picked up on that as I was reading through The psalm. And like several psalms that we've had before Psalm 111, Psalm 111 praises the Lord for His works that He has done in the past. In fact, you may have noticed that that word works, the works of the Lord, comes up time and time again throughout Psalm 111. Specifically in Psalm 111, what we see is the works of the Lord in the history of Israel. His faithfulness to His people. And yet what makes Psalm 111 stand out from other psalms that also proclaim the faithfulness of God to his people and recounting his works to Israel is that Psalm 111 is an acrostic. After that opening line, praise the Lord, the next 22 lines of this psalm corresponds to the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. It is a psalm that is meant to be memorized. Meant to be remembered, to, to aid God's people and remembering who God is and what he has done. In fact, Psalm 111 and Psalm 112 are both acrostics. And we'll see this evening that Psalm 111 unfolds the works of the Lord. And then Psalm 112, as Lord willing, we'll see next week, then unfolds the man who fears the Lord. In fact, you'll even notice at the end of Psalm 111, verse 10 kind of already starts that transition into Psalm 112. This evening, as we turn our attention to Psalm 111, we are focusing on the works of the Lord. Who is God and what has he done? The Psalm starts with a vow to praise the Lord. In fact, it's just an an explanation at the the beginning of the psalm. Praise the Lord. But then there's a vow. A call to praise, but then a, a personal commitment to praise. I, I will praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. From the very core of my being. From all that is within me, I will praise the Lord. He's not merely going through the motions. He's not just repeating an empty creed or empty lyrics that mean nothing to him. There is meaning behind this. There is purpose behind this. There is focus behind this. He is pouring everything that he has into this. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. In fact, I will do it publicly in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. That's the public nature of his praise. He's not embarrassed. He doesn't hold his tongue but he bursts forth and prays with his whole heart in the congregation. Let me tell you what my God has done. In fact, you can almost picture the transition to verse two. You can almost picture the the psalmist there in verse one just bursting into this group of people and being like, let me tell you what God has done. The works of the Lord are great. This is his reason for praising the Lord, because his works are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. It's an interesting quote I came across from French mathematician and theologian Blaise Pascal. He said this, philosophy seeks truth, theology finds it, but religion possesses it. Human things must be known to be loved, but divine things must be loved to be known. Is that not what we see here in verse 2? The works of the Lord are great. They are studied by those who what? Who have pleasure in them, those who love them. It is our love for God that drives us to know him more, to know his works all the more. In fact, that word there, studied. There's effort put into this. Effort in the pursuit of knowing God and knowing him more. It's really the the study of scripture that we have here. Diving deeply. Why is it that we do our devotions? So we can check off a box, so we can feel better about ourselves? So God will take notice and will earn credit with God? No, that's not the way it works. We do our devotions because we love God and we want to know him more. It's a response to who he is and what he has done for us. We want to know him, so we dive into his word. His works are studied by all those who have pleasure in them. So here at the beginning, you have a vow to praise the Lord and a reason to praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord, and I will praise him because his works are great and because I love him. Verse 3 and following starts to then unpack for us what some of these works are. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endures forever. His work is honorable and glorious. we often describe God's work this way, do we not? As glorious, or or really both these words have the, the, the base idea of even majestic. I mean, how many times have you gone to the Grand Canyon or stood on the edge of a mountain and looked out and just maybe even audibly said, look at the majestic work of God. Or how many times have you looked across an Iowa cornfield at the sunset i mean it it is it is it's beautiful i must confess that when i first moved to iowa it bothered me that it was so flat but i've come to recognize that there is beauty in the cornfields of iowa there's beauty here and even iowa proclaims the glorious majesty of our god <laughs> These words describe his work. And yet, what's interesting is that these words don't just describe his work. But these words themselves are his work. As we look out at God's creation and we say how majestic it is or how glorious it is, even those words in and of themselves, the idea of majesty, the idea of glory, the idea of something that is honorable, finds their origin, their root, in God himself. His work is not just honorable and glorious. His work is honor and glory. They come from him. His righteousness, too, endures forever. It finds its origin in God and it describes all of his work. Everything that he does is righteous. And it knows no end. It endures forever. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. His wonderful works are to be remembered. He has made them that way. There's there's purpose behind it. God wants us to remember. That's why he's given us the, the word of God. He's recorded his works for us. In fact, right worship is grounded in truth. It remembers what God has done and it praises him for that. Not too long ago, actually it's getting further and further away, but we went through the book of Joshua. All throughout Joshua you have the people of Israel setting up monuments. In Joshua 4, verses 19-24, to they set 12 stones in the Jordan River as God leads them across into the land that he has promised them. And in that passage, why is it that he has them leave those stones there? So that in the generations to come, as your children say, why are those 12 stones there? You can say, because God brought us into the land that he promised to give us. He parted those waters. He led us across. He tore down the walls of Jericho. And then you can go on to tell story after story after story of God's faithfulness and giving you the land. It is meant to be remembered. Even further back, Exodus 12, the Passover. To remember God's deliverance from Egypt, set up to be remembered generation after generation. In fact, all throughout Psalms, how many different Psalms have we been in where there's a call to tell the next generation. Tell the next generation. Tell your your kids, your grandkids. Let them know what God has done and who He is. He's made His wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He is tender in love. And His works testify to this truth. In fact, that's what you'll see as you continue to work through this psalm, is that the works of God proclaim the character of God. As we see what God does, we learn who God is. That's why it is so vitally important to remember these works, because they are proclaiming to us who our God is. He is gracious. He is full of compassion. You see that in the Passover. You see that as he leads his people into the promised land despite the unfaithfulness of the generation before. Verse 5, he has given food to those who fear him. Likely reference to Exodus 16, God's provision in the wilderness. Why? Because he will ever be mindful of his covenant. Because he is a faithful God and his works of of provision, proclaim his faithfulness, even to his unfaithful people. He provides for them because he is a faithful God, because he remembers his covenant. He's declared to his people the power of his works. Specifically, in giving in the heritage of the nations. There's there's several different things that you could look at through the Old Testament where, where the power of God is displayed. You have the parting of the Red Sea. With Joshua as the sun stood still. The tearing down of the walls of Jericho. But really, all of that is included in the Lord leading his people out of Egypt and into the Promised Land. The conquest of the land. Specifically, that's what's in, in in view here. He gave them the heritage of the nations. He gave them what he had promised them. He gave them a land. And in that you see his power. Verse 7: the works of his hands are verity and justice, or faithfulness and justice. All his precepts are sure. The idea of precepts there is is his law, but not just his law, it's his word. God's word is sure. And his faithfulness and his justice is not just seen in all of these great works that he's done, it is seen in his very word. It is sure. It stands fast forever and ever. It is sure and it is eternal and it too proclaims the faithfulness and justice and greatness and power of God. Done in truth and uprightness. Verse 9. He has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. He has sent redemption to his people. This is really the climax of his great works. He is a God of redemption. He's a God who does not abandon or forget his people, but in Egypt, he redeems them. In Babylon, he redeems them. And as we come to see in the New Testament in Christ from sin, he redeems his people. He is a God of redemption. A God who does not abandon his people, but always pursues and redeems and loves and cares about. He's commanded his covenant forever because he is a faithful God. So I think we can join the psalmist in this exclamation here at the end. Holy and awesome is his name. Notice he doesn't say holy and awesome are his works even though this psalm has repeated his works, he says, holy and awesome is his name because of what I said earlier, because the works of God proclaim the character of God. As we see these works, it leads us to proclaim, look at our awesome God, not just what he has done, but who he is. He is holy. He is awesome. That's a word that we often overuse in our day. But don't let our overuse of it soften the meaning of it here. This is a God who inspires awe in creation. Awe in the hearts of his people. And all his works are holy and awesome because he is holy and awesome. That is his name. So, verse 10, so fear the Lord the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Another truth repeated in, in Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. And, and wisdom is not about how much you know. There are some people who know a lot of things, but they're not very wise. And there are some people who don't know a lot, but they are very wise. Wisdom is not a matter of how much you know. It's a matter of what you do with what you know. It's not about knowing a lot about God. It's about responding rightly to what you know about God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The idea here is is live in light of the Lord's nature and character. As you look at this psalm, as you see these things, as you memorize it as the purpose of the psalm is to be memorized as you memorize it and you mull it over in your mind over and over and over and you're reminded of all these things that God has done and you meditate on that. Respond rightly to it then. It'll lead you to, to fear the Lord, to respond rightly, to worship Him even as this psalm starts. Praise the Lord with my whole hearts. Why? Because this is who he is. Because look at what he has done. Because he is worthy. A good understanding, insight, have all those who do his commandments. Those who, who fear the Lord and obey him. And his praise endures forever. As I mentioned earlier, verse 10 transitions directly into Psalm Psalm 112, as we're Lord willing see next week. Psalm 112, which is the same thing. It's also an acrostic. But in Psalm 112, the focus is not on the works of of the Lord, but it's on the man who fears the Lord. What that looks like. So even as we transition to a time of prayer, as you go to prayer, I would encourage you Don't just jump right into prayer requests. But even as you bow your head to pray, start by praising the Lord for who he is and what he has done. Take some time to remember some of those works that were meant to remember, that were meant to repeat, that were meant to tell one another and remind one another of. So go to prayer with that in mind praising the Lord for his works even as you bring your requests to him. And let then those truths give hope to the requests as you bring them to the Lord. Knowing that he is a God who is merciful and great and glorious and honorable. That he is powerful. That he is good. That he is merciful and gracious. And that truth and justice are his ways. Let that give Hope to your prayers, power to your prayers.